I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Jen. Hi, Sarah. How exciting is this? I know, it's our first episode of Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Should we tell people about what we're going to be doing then? So we kind of had the idea to have like a problem page podcast. So the idea of, I mean, me and Sarah are both big fans of kind of Ask Polly, Dear Sugars, you know, kind of that whole like advice column. And we thought, what if we had people send us in letters about their creative problems, but we answered them together on a podcast together. You know, me and Sarah are both creative coaches. We work with lots of different creatives, kind of helping them achieve their big dreams or move forward or get out of their own way, you know. And we thought, what if we put our two brains together and hopefully create a podcast that was really encouraging and supportive and could really help people move forward in whatever way they want to? Right, because one of the things we've both learned from kind of our combined many years of experience working with creatives, I think, is that no problem is ever unique. It's never the first time someone's faced something along those lines. So we can share some of those problems that maybe are familiar to people listening or might come up in the future and try and make a conversation out of them between Jen and I and our experiences, but also between you guys and and kind of how you would approach it or maybe how you have approached it, your own experiences of it. So we really want you to get involved as well and make this kind of a community podcast. Yeah, we can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on each episode and the kind of the questions that get sent in. We've got a hashtag, hashtag Dear Hopeful Creative. So you can kind of share your thoughts on that episode. Maybe you've got a really specific experience that's going to be really helpful for that specific question that was sent in. And we're going to be dropping new episodes every Monday you're going to see today that there's free episodes that we've dropped for you to listen to so kind of if you really want to dive into what we're doing here there's free episodes. a good binge <laughs> <laughs> so dive into those it'll be a new episode next Monday but shall we shall we dive into today's question yeah let's start with this letter so we chose this letter it really stood out to us from the first letters that we received because it was just it just felt so real and so human like a struggle we've seen so many people go through something we could relate to as well and we just we just wanted to unpack it and dive in shall I read it out let's go I'm an artist and I'm having trouble getting my business started. I have a hundred really great ideas that are completely doable and possible. I just can't seem to get anywhere with them. They always just remain as ideas. I think I'm scared of starting and scared of failure. I definitely struggle with comparison and perfectionism, but also I lack the energy, motivation and drive that I need to succeed. It's a constant battle, it seems, and just leaves me feeling like a failure. I'm not sure, but I might be struggling with depression as well. Just wondering if you have any tips or if you've been through a similar struggle in your life. There's a lot of very relatable moments in that letter. I'm sure people listening are feeling that too. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think anyone getting started with anything, the fear, there's like, if you don't have any fear when you're getting started, you're probably not a human being. Totally. You are either a robot or a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing I always say to my clients, like when they're afraid and they're like, Jen, is it bad that I'm afraid? And I always say, if you weren't afraid, you would be a psychopath. And whenever they say, oh, is it bad that I'm scared what people will think of me? I say, well, if you weren't, you would be a narcissist. Totally. And But we don't really see that, do we? Because we have this glossy impression of success, that it comes very naturally. And we all kind of feed into that with our online personas. Even when we talk about fear, it's in a very clean user-friendly presentable yeah, way but reality is very messy like I'm still afraid I'm still afraid now I'm terrified every time I do something new I've noticed actually that I've got to this level in my business where what scares me now is that it doesn't matter what I've achieved up until this point I've got to still keep doing it right and there's more to lose than ever yeah because we're the breadwinners now and we've <laughs> yeah. got clients and we've got people we're not beginners anymore so we don't have permission to mess up right so which is not to say that it's not just just as terrifying at the beginning yeah. but I guess just that you'll 
fears evolve and we are very good at reshaping our fears as humans to fit whatever the new situation yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And I would say at the beginning, I think what we have now in the face of our fears is proof to calm those fears. Yes. So, but when you're getting started and you haven't yet reached any goals in your business, you don't have anything to say to yourself, well, I did this thing. So I feel you, you're starting completely from scratch. You are. Although, of course, you're not at the same time yeah. because there's plenty of examples in other areas of your life where you have achieved stuff. Yeah. And I think that's a really good area to drill into. So, for example, our anonymous letter writer talks about how she's an artist. So she will have been through a really similar process, presumably, with her work where maybe the first time she, you know, let's, let's imagine she's a painter. The first time she put brush to page... She probably didn't get the results she was looking for and felt like a failure. And she will have had to push through all of those things. And maybe she went to art school and maybe she went in a a direction that didn't suit her for a year or two and made work that wasn't really true to her. You know, that path that you go on as a business owner or as a creative is something that's kind of mirrored in so many other areas of our lives, like parenting or school or work. Yeah, you don't even see it when you're living your life. What you, If you've got to this moment of your life you've achieved so much especially you know she mentioned that she thinks she's living with depression which if you think you're living with depression it shows that there's something happening for you right now on a level so whether it's diagnosed as depression or you feel you're living with depression what you're what I'm hearing from that is you're currently living with something that's hard but you're living with it anyway you're surviving it you've still got these dreams you've still got these ambitions it's not a weakness it's actually a strength because you're surviving it totally I mean she she took the time to write to us and she recognized that there was a problem getting in her way which having talked to so many different creative and creative business owners like you're already in the top percentage if you're able to recognise the things that are getting in your way because a lot of people don't even realise that's going on. Yeah, should we unpack this letter a little bit Let's do this. So one of the first things she says is that she has a hundred really great ideas that are completely doable and possible. She just can't seem to get anywhere with them. What do you think about that? Well, one thing I picked up from the whole letter actually is there's a lot of labelling going on of her situation and of herself. Um, And that's kind of feels like one of those labels. So she's got these hundreds of ideas that she's telling herself they're totally doable. They're totally possible. And that becomes kind of a stick she's beating herself with. So rather than her thinking, I've got some ideas um, and they're going to take a lot of work and they're going to be really hard, but I think they'll pay off. She's selling herself. These are easy. These are really easy, doable ideas. Why are you not doing them? And that actually, it sounds like a positive, but it t- you, your brain can very easily turn that into a negative and kind of a bit of a self-criticism. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's not in a criticism of, of the writer. It's it's a bit of a cop-out to say, well, these ideas are so doable. I'm just not doing them because I'm not the type of person who can do these things. Blame yourself rather than blame the ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, everything is doable and everything is possible. But until you move forward with them it's all just a figment of an idea right it's not real right and maybe some of that resistance she's feeling is because further down the line she's aware that there'll be things that that kind of interrupt that narrative of these are very doable it's kind of easier to say to ourselves i have this idea that is doable and is so possible but the reason i'm not doing them is because i've got all these issues that's that's it's really easy to put the blame all on you mm. without seeing wait if the if if it's my responsibility for not bringing them to life then I also am the only one with the power to bring them to life yes and from my experience the ideas that are super doable and easy have already been done and usually you've already done them yourself and so the ideas that she's excited about and that she's holding on to they probably do come with inherent challenges and embracing those challenges and kind of pushing through them is what we're going to be talking about I suppose yeah should we okay so what she says next is I think I'm scared of starting and scared of failure I definitely struggle with comparison and perfectionism 
what do you think that's that's all of us definitely like there's almost four topics within that one <laughs> sentence that we could all relate to um and that that starting and finishing who is it that talks about you're either a starter or a finisher oh, i don't know i haven't heard about Have you this. not heard this before so some people this really resonated with me and i wish i could think of the source right now so some people are great at getting projects started and they're really good at beginning and all that initial enthusiasm and vision but they're not very good at doing the slog and getting them to the end and some people are much better finishers and they really struggle to get the initiative and get things up off the ground. But once they are on that kind of running streak, they'll get to the end and they'll always finish whatever they start. Um, and this letter writer thinks that she's neither, but I would wager she she's probably stronger at one or the other. And I would say as a business owner, this is actually really funny, actually, I I see this a lot with my clients, is we have to, whatever we're, whatever we're strongest at, it's actually our job as a business owner to be able to do both. Mm-hmm. Because... I always say, okay, you are both the CEO and the employee in your business. So the CEO is the visionary, the starter, the person who's motivating the employee, who also happens to be you. And then the employee is down in the trenches doing the work. Right. And if you can't be both, and it's not that you have to be born both. I wasn't born both. I'm not naturally inherently a business owner. I had to start my business and find my feet in it and learn where I needed to push myself and where I needed to lean in more. It's not, I think there is this fear of like, oh, I'm not built for this, Mm -hmm. but no one's built for this. You just choose to develop what you need to be able to do it. Right. And so what she says when she says that she, she feels she's lacking the drive for success. Mm -hmm. Is that, I'm quoting that right. But of course, that's an imagined version of who you have to be in order to succeed. And success comes in lots of different shapes and forms to lots of different types of people. And we only ever really get the one type model to us, especially at school. It's you have to work, you have to get there at nine o'clock, you have to do nonstop schoolwork until 3.30 or four o'clock. And then you go home and have a small rest and do some more work. And you then that work is graded. And if it's good enough, you're told that. So when you then get out into this real world, especially as an entrepreneur or as a creative that whole structure no longer applies and we can feel like a failure if we don't still apply that structure to ourselves, even if it doesn't work for us so I am definitely a night owl my best work happens probably after 10 p.m oh god I'm asleep then yeah no I (laughs) I sleep late and work late I've had real struggles just with myself with kind of battling with that because it feels lazy now why is it lazy if if you and I are sleeping the same amount of hours each night but I'm sleeping in in the morning in order to get more work done at night why do I feel lazy and feel like you're more virtuous? It's a weird moral principle that we're applying to a situation that really doesn't call for it. Yeah, and I also pulled out that sentence of, but also I like the energy, motivation and drive that I need to succeed. I just thought, that's a story that she's telling herself. Yes. because the label. Yeah, energy, motivation and drive. Now, I think the bit near the end where she mentions the depression depression is is related to energy in my from what i've experienced with depression when you are depressed you're not going to have the energy motivation and drive yeah it will be sapping all three of those oh completely and also i think we live in a kind of chase your dreams world mm-hmm. where we think motivation is something that happens to us that if we want it enough or if we're worthy enough we'll be motivated i think motivation is something we choose i'm not motivated every single day to show up on i'd rather watch netflix some days yes. or like cuddle with my dog but if there's work to be done and there's a business to show up for what motivates me is something bigger than my emotions in that moment yes it's a bigger so I think there's two layers of this I think if if this letter writer is struggling with depression there is a layer there of until that is taken care of 
the rest will not be taken care of. Right. And that's got to be the most important thing. We have to look after ourselves as a whole being before we look after our business. You've always got to come first. And I will say that personally for me, I I don't know if it's been similar to you, my business has actually been one of the biggest benefits to my mental health. Yes. It's like like therapy. It it gives you, yeah, a whole sense of purpose outside of yourself, but it also will really challenge your mental health. There is no point trying to tackle it without tackling whatever's going on in your head at the same time. Because depression clouds your judgment. It it tells you that the world is against you. It Mm -hmm. tells you that you're a piece of shit. It tells you... It tells you that you're not capable. It te- it's telling you everything that this writer is telling herself. It's not showing you that you are worthy and capable and amazing, which is what is kind of the mindset you have to have when you're building a business because no one's going to believe in you or care about your work as much as you do, and especially when you're getting started. And it doesn't have to be a constant mindset. No. I'm certainly not someone who thinks that way 24 <laughs> hours a day. But as long as you go into the zone now and again of, no, no, I think I can do this. I'm going to give it a try. That's where you need to be. Like, I think that's where a healthy mind kind of cycles through all those different phases and comes into that time. And if you're finding that time's never there, then maybe it is worth chatting to a GP yeah. or to a counsellor or whoever you would turn to to kind of just check in on your mental health and see where that is. And I think we can't, I was saying this to Sarah earlier today before we started recording, is I don't think we can underestimate how much our mental health affects our creativity. Totally. Like I, for example, so I've lived with depression my whole life. Well, not my whole, not from the moment I was born. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've had depression in childhood and adolescence and now in adulthood. And um, last year I had a depressive episode, but I didn't actually realise in the season that I was depressed. Just because depression for me used to be this big, all-encompassing thing. And now it's this more quieter dark cloud mm-hmm. and in that season I just I was doing the I was doing my client work I wasn't creating much I didn't have any urge to create anything and then this year that depression kind of lifted and I've just been I had so many ideas I've had the energy to bring the ideas to life and I was just like oh the, my lights came back on mm-hmm. the world was in color again and I think we underestimate how much if you're having whether it's a crisis or just a time of struggle with your mental health it is going to affect your creativity and your view of yourself in the world totally and that doesn't have to be kind of as serious as a diagnosis Mm -hmm. or anything pathological it can just be you're struggling with self-doubt at the moment or you know you're going through a period of high anxiety or something that maybe it doesn't warrant a trip to the gp with but i think we have to acknowledge especially as creatives we seem to be very in touch with our inner world and our inner life and quite often if there's a barrier to something happening that barrier is our own headspace and the answer is then not to push as hard as we can on the problem. It's to show kindness back to ourselves and to invest in our own kind of mental well-being, whether that is like taking time out, whether it's meditation. I mean, they all sound so cliched, but the reason that you hear them so much is they do work or whether that's like therapy or medication, whatever it's going to take. Yeah, the question I always ask myself and I always ask my clients and like my friends and everyone is like, are you giving yourself what you need to thrive? Because I don't think we're actually raised in a world where that's, Mm-mm. you know, we don't, you don't go to school and, and are told, okay, give yourself what you need to thrive in this setting. You're told this is how you're supposed to behave and function, function like this or exist on, on the outskirts. And then you go into a traditional workplace and you have to exist. So once it's, are you actually giving yourself what you need to thrive? Are you giving yourself enough sleep? Are you giving yourself enough time to be inspired? Are you forgiving yourself for the things that you think are your flaws, which is actually just you being a human being? Something I heard Gretchen Rubin say on her podcast, um, she talked about how the thing that gets someone back at their desk the next day and trying again is never that screaming and shouting at yourself in your head and telling yourself how rubbish you are and how lazy you are, whatever else. It's the kindness where you forgive yourself and say, okay, well, we'll just try again. And that's so true because when you go into that negative headspace of 
punishing yourself for your perceived failures you don't have any motivation to keep trying there's no motivation to try again because you don't believe you can whereas if you're kind to yourself and say okay well that happened today but tomorrow is a new day maybe we'll be in a different headspace tomorrow get back to that computer and try again then the possibility is always fresh every day yeah yeah and it's kind of we're not linear like we have ups and downs mm-hmm. you might have the most pro- like to this letter right you might have a really productive week where you get loads done and then you might have a week where your mental health takes a toll your energy takes a toll and like you just have a it, it's okay like I I personally don't function at the same level the whole year do you No, Rory always talks my husband Rory always says this about me that I that I work in really short, intense bursts Mm. and then I recover and I kind of, it's all that time as well where you're spent apparently doing nothing, doing nothing by sort of the value judgments of religion and education, sitting on the sofa, looking out the window, maybe reading a book. But actually what you're doing is kind of stockpiling those creative resources again, letting everything build back up if you work this way Mm. so that then you're ready for that next spurt of creative energy. Yeah. What would you, so this letter writer, so she currently, she, she, she wants to get a business started. She's really struggling. She's got a lot of these stories that she's telling herself, a lot of these labels that she's put on herself. I'm getting this sense. It's like, does she believe that she's worthy of doing this? Yeah. That's coming to, and also does she believe, does she actually believe that she's capable of it? There seems to be some real self-doubt somewhere in there. Maybe there's a voice in her head, a voice of someone she knows maybe who's telling her, that this is pie in the sky or that she can't really do it yeah oh she's 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 just not wired I feel like I hear this a lot I like oh what if I'm just not wired for it yeah I'm not the right type of person and I mean I don't many people in my life and myself included I don't think I was I never thought I would have naturally been wired to be someone who could have the responsibility of running their own business managing their own finances having lots of clients who I'm responsible for did you was there a time in your life where you if you'd been heard what you are now you wouldn't have believed it absolutely absolutely and there are parts of that I bring to it that I think I've always known I was good at mm. but there are so many parts of it that I am not naturally good at that I would have ruled it out as a possibility if I hadn't kind of navigated my way through that yeah and I don't want to speak for you so I'll say it for me but I found that for me it wasn't that I woke up one day and I was suddenly capable it was that I did small small steps and built myself up and I was kind to myself and I gave myself what I needed and now I'm in my fourth year now I can I've got all these and I know in four more years it'll feel even different but it's just taking small steps you don't have to wake up the next day and be perfect today but what if you what if you woke up tomorrow and you said to yourself what if I am capable what if I do have the drive the motivation and the energy but it looks different from you than maybe what's been modeled to me before totally and Somewhere in there then is the permission to let yourself fuck up because that's part of that process. And she says she's scared of failure. And I think we all are. And it can be so paralyzing, especially because we're not great at publicizing our own failures. But of course, we all do. We all try things and we go, oh, no, that that didn't quite work. So I'm going to focus in a different direction. And I think it's sometimes about framing that as research. I think of it as research and development. Every time you try something and it's not quite right, you've learned something and you know more about your business and yourself and your clients. Um, and so letting yourself, giving yourself permission to try things that you're not 100% sure are going to be, as she says at the beginning, totally doable and workable ideas. Um, maybe they're not. And that's okay too. Yeah. It's really funny actually reading back over this letter. It's like at the very heart of it, cause she started off with that, that are completely doable and possible. There is that belief mm. and there is that courage. It's just, then she's put all of this pain and story and self-doubt on top of it like the bravest version of herself is suffocating under the scared version of herself which is tragic and 
also incredibly common. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been there before in my life. Yeah. Um, and kind of, what would you recommend them in terms of shaking herself out of that or taking steps out of it? I think if you're struggling with depression right now, you that is the first place to go. Whatever, you know, whether it's to the point where you need a GP, where you need therapy, medication, meditation, whatever it is, get really quiet with yourself and say, am I in, am I healthy right now? I think that's the question because if you're not, if you, for example, if you had a broken leg, you wouldn't just sit there and get on with it. You would go right. to the hospital. It's just the same thing. You wouldn't write into a podcast and say, I think I might have a broken leg yeah. <laughs> and wait for us to answer you. And I'm certainly, I don't mean to make fun of anyone there. I'm kind of saying that is how we treat mental health so differently. So please, if you're listening anonymous, go to your GP and just have a conversation and see what their take on that yeah. is. Because if you, so take care of you. And then I think once, say we take the depression conversation out of it, even though I think it is the most important conversation. They say for anyone else listening who can relate to everything else, but may not be struggling with their mental health right now. I would say, okay, you've been telling yourself all these stories about what's possible for you and what you're capable of. I would say, get to the heart of your business because you're telling me you want to start a business and you've put all this crap on top of it. So get to the heart of that. What do you want? And don't make that question too big. Like if that feels too big, well, what do I want? Between where I am now, what's the next step that I want to get to? Do I want to be having a website launched? Do I want to have products launched? Do I just want to work with my first few clients? Do I just want to create content? Build a plan, get really clear on what you actually want from yourself from this journey and connect to that, get excited about that, see how it's possible. I would say if you're currently feeling like it's not possible for you, seek out stories from people who you resonate with, who have achieved, because I know personally for me, I'm a quieter person, I'm shy, I'm introverted, I, you know, I live with mental health illness, I live with chronic illness. It's really easy to look at the world and think, well, no one like me is achieving things. Mm. I I also think we have a responsibility, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, like, do we have a responsibility to share? our stories so that we can model that things are possible for people who don't have the perfect jumping off point there's a feminist saying which is i cannot be what i cannot see yes and that is true for so many things so both of us are examples of people with chronic illnesses who have managed to kind of still pursue their dreams and create businesses but there are still so many types of people we don't see yes they exist but we're just not seeing them kind of in the conventional media or on social media yeah. yet and it's like so maybe seek out stories of people who have felt like you have so you're not alone in that so get connect to your business idea connect to why you're excited about it I think you have to start changing the story that you're telling yourself. Now, some people find it really helpful to use affirmations or journaling or whatever. I mean, I personally, I think it's just about being in dialogue with myself and being kind to myself. Mm -hmm. So say I have an idea and then I think, oh, you're a piece of shit, don't do that. It's like, well, what if it's okay for me to do something even if I'm not great at it? Like change, change the way you speak to yourself. One thing I took from therapy um, a while back was... I don't know if this is a standard practice or just something <laughs> we kind of came up with, but I ended up giving a name to my inner critic. Mm-hmm. So to that voice that was like, you're too shit, you can't possibly do this. And so whenever that voice chimed up, it just made me realize, it kind of made me check in and think, that's not what I think, that's what this voice of fear thinks in my head. And being able to separate that out a little bit just meant that I was better able to tune into the parts of me that did believe it was possible. Yeah. Um, and that was all before I built my business. So I do feel like that was really crucial for me to kind of, recognize the two voices yeah and I would also say like don't expect this to go away mm-hmm. like that part of you that, that is not rooting for you will always be there because it's it's you know it's come from our childhood and our life experiences and the people who've not support like it's in us absolutely it's going to be there in the car for the ride with us for this journey we but it doesn't have to take the wheel if we don't want yeah, it. yeah and it's a healthy normal thing it's trying to keep us safe yeah it's yeah I call it the monster in our head that thinks it's keeping us safe that's totally what it's doing it's trying to protect us and 
it's just a little bit overzealous in its yeah. job of trying to keep us safe. So it's okay to hear it and to go, okay, well, I, I, you know, I understand that you think that this is going to be a total disaster and the whole internet is going to laugh at me. <laughs> but I'm looking at the facts and I'm just not sure you're right, crazy chimp in my head. So I'm going to go ahead and, and do what I think is best. And it's there's a sort of peacefulness that comes when you're able to kind of tease the two a little bit further apart. Yeah, I also would say get really clear on what you're actually afraid of. Yeah. Like you tell me that you're afraid of failure, you're scared of starting. What are you actually afraid of? Because if you face those fears head on and I would say okay you're going to have the emotional side of your brain that is driven by your fears and you're going to have the logical side of your brain I would say try and get into the logical side of your brain and say either is what I'm afraid of actually plausible and a lot of your fears are plausible so say to yourself number one is it worth do I want this enough that I'm willing to risk that fear and number two can I survive it the question is always yes the only thing you will not survive is death right your business is never going to kill you unless your business is like skydiving Sky, yeah like <laughs> stuntman like, so try and be and try and remember that everyone who's maybe where you would like to be has done things that have scared the shit out of them totally and and yeah kind of what's the worst case scenario here because we we are scared of failure and usually what we're most scared of is confirming those horrible beliefs mm-hmm. we have about ourselves and that can feel so vulnerable to put that little bit of hope we've been quietly nurturing put that on the line to risk something but the gains are huge because what will probably happen is that hope that hope you hold is right. It's right about what you could be doing. And if you can just nurture it and let it grow, when you gamble on it, you gain huge because you all of a sudden, next time you've got twice as much of that hope and the next time you've got twice as much again. The thing I always think about over people in this stage where they're like, a writer is, is like, you don't even know what's possible for yeah. you yet. And if we hadn't taken chances, if I hadn't convinced myself that that little voice in me that mm-hmm. was saying, I think I might be, maybe I could do this. Yeah. If I hadn't taken a punt on her at some point, I would still be living the life that felt so underwhelming and underperforming and underexciting. Yeah. And I would also say to this letter writer, like, okay, the lacking energy, motivation and drive, flip that around. How can you support yourself to have energy, motivation and drive? When do you most feel yes. that way? Yeah. What what builds that for you? How can you nurture that? And sometimes it's making better daily decisions. Sometimes it's giving yourself what you need to function at your best level. Sometimes it's choosing to do something that is not instant gratification that's doing some, but like, what do you need to have energy, motivation and drive? Because you do possess it. Yeah. Like if you are... I mean, you wrote an email and sent it to us. So that took energy, motivation Mm -hmm. and drive. If you are able to go and buy your vegetables each week at the supermarket, you're using energy, motivation and drive. If you are able to wash your hair, and maybe you're not, if you're struggling with depression, some of those things maybe feel overwhelming, but you have a track record of doing them in your life. I will absolutely guarantee that you have a track record of achieving and possessing energy, motivation and drive. So dig back into that. Think about how you get stuff done normally and how you can make more of that in your daily life for your business yeah and I would say if you if you are struggling with depression right now you need to know how to get yourself back personally I have to know how to get myself back to a baseline so if I'm in a depressive episode it's like have I eaten today have I showered have I touched a human being <laughs> have I breathed the outside world even if you're not in a depressive episode those yeah. are fairly fundamental tips yeah, yeah, yeah. that we all need to make sure and it's very easy to skip one or two of them. Yeah, like get yourself back to a baseline level. And then I think my other advice would be like, surround yourself with people, including yourself, who believe in you. Yes. Who who will cheer you on. And I feel, sometimes I wonder, Sarah, I don't know what you think about this, if that's a privileged thing to say, like, is it a privilege to actually, like, I sometimes think, is it a privilege for me to have those people in my corner? Because not everyone is has that. It absolutely is. And I have lived the first half of my life 
in a complete vacuum of those kinds of people. And I would read articles that said, cut out the negative people in your life. And I think, fuck, where does that leave? Like, my cat? <laughs> Is it just going to be me and my cat? But social media makes it a lot more accessible and a lot more possible. I mean, you, you have me and Jen, so come and find us on yeah. Twitter or on Instagram and, and we will genuinely be cheering you on. And this community of everyone else listening, I'm sure that they are also cheering you on because we know what it's like and we know how it feels when there are no people in your real life but we have to understand that the lack of people in your life who believe in you is not an indication of how possible it is they are two separate things and most people when they think something's not possible for someone else it's way more about themselves and their own fear and maybe trying to keep that person safe or their experience of life they bring all their own shit to that table and yeah you don't want to eat it so you need to just (laughs) discard those opinions and find people who lift you up yeah and I think it always comes down to you have to be your biggest fan yes like you have to believe in yourself and I think so at this point okay so we're saying take care of yourself reconnect to this business like start to believe in yourself and I think the only thing you can do next currently you're stuck you're not taking action you're just kind of losing all this time to the your own bullshit and I mean that in a loving way because I've lost time of my life to my own bullshit so it's like you need to now Okay, first level is take care of yourself, be healthy, but you need to now take action to move forward because every time you take action and reach a tiny goal, it's going to build your confidence up to go to the next one. Right, so this was my advice that I would say is, and I use actually like a printed notebook that I have for this from the Get to Work book. Oh, I I use the same one. You use the same one. So it's literally like you pick a goal, like say you had a goal that you wanted to start a mailing list and that was one of your totally actionable and possible ideas that you could be doing. But what we do is we write that down on our to-do list, make mailing lists, and we never cross it off because it's a fucking huge (laughs) to-do on a list of other huge to-dos. So what you do is you get this notepad or you just get any notepad and you break it down into every tiny little step. So step one is maybe just Google different mailing list providers. Step two is to look at what your favorite bloggers do to build their mailing list. Step three is to read about pop-ups. You will go through all of these different steps and there's probably 20, 30, some of them are longer than others. And the way I always approach it when I'm feeling at a low ebb or I'm struggling to get moving is I never go to sleep without having taken some small step in the right direction. And that could just be a Google search. It could just be making a to-do list. It could just be like jotting down the title of an idea. And some days it's huge and I do like three things off that list. But always, if you tell yourself, this is the thing I'm going to do next and I'm not going to sleep tonight until I've nudged myself further in that direction you will automatically start to make progress and I can't tell you how powerful that is to show up for yourself in that way absolutely and and that's the thing that we we tend to be so all or nothing we think that you know if I've not done anything today then I'm not going to do anything tomorrow but if you can go well actually look here's my track record every single day for the last week I've done something small in that direction then you get there I personally get there much quicker than if I'd said I'm going to do it all on Monday because that Monday never happens yeah and I would say like more than anything do it for you like don't do it for this version of your business that you think you might have or no don't do it to prove a point like ultimately you've told us that you're feeling this way and that it's not feeling good so do it for you because I don't know about you Sarah like my business has changed my life and my work has changed my life but what has changed my life the most is this relationship I've built with myself where I realize that I'm capable of following through on a goal I'm capable of showing up for myself and I'm capable of being more than what the world told me I was capable of. All those of. horrible things that we told ourselves yeah, yeah. that I suspect this letter writer is telling herself are not facts. They're not the cold, hard facts that we took them to be. And the best way to prove that to yourself is to push back against them and, and try 
and prove them wrong. Yeah, and there's there's power and there's beauty in that. It's gorgeous. Yeah, please do it. I can't tell you how much when I wasn't showing up for myself as a human, when I wasn't like fulfilling what was possible for me, when I was believing all these lies that I wasn't motivated, that I wasn't capable, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Definitely. But now if I sit here, I'm so freaking proud of myself. And I don't mean that in this big brag of it. I'm just, I'm proud of who I am in the world and how I've shown up for myself and my life. It's a, it's a feeling that you only get from pushing past all that crap. Yes. And like my whole modus operandi for everything I do is... I wish someone had told me this. I wish someone had told me I was capable of this and I wish someone told me it was all possible. And that is what, I guess that's what we're trying to say to listeners right now is it is possible, but you have to take a punt on that. You have to kind of risk feeling like a fucking idiot and try anyway. Yeah, and I would just say all the things you're scared of failing of, you'll survive them. Yep. You fall flat on your face. The people who love you will catch you. You are still like think think okay, think about all your favorite kind of artists or film stars who've had like a 30, 40 year career, which we want a lifetime career here. Think how many times they've done things that have been a failure or embarrassing. And mostly they're forgotten. Yes. Like you have to dig pretty deep to kind of come up with some solid examples of that. Um because we're naturally as humans, we're drawn we're much more interested in other people's success and the way you dress it up changes the way that story is told so if what you're worried about is what other people will think about what you're doing then just protect yourself and kind of focus on telling the stories that you want people to know yeah okay so what would be your last piece of encouragement for this letter writer uh my last bit of advice actually is to go and pick up a book called playing big by Mm. tara mosh i interviewed her for my hashtag authentic podcast as well and i would recommend listening to her on anything um but i feel like there's so much wisdom in there that would resonate with this this writer and yeah with anyone listening with similar struggles yeah i i guess my last piece of advice would i guess i'm i can really relate to the depression side so would just be take care of yourself and if taking care of yourself means that you have to go at a slower pace that's okay because you're going to achieve more by being at a good stage and also if you have if you've got a season ahead of you taking care of yourself that doesn't mean you can't make magic happen in that time too totally even if you just bring to life beautiful art or you write your stories or you just share it somehow like you don't have to take big leaps to move yourself forward. Whenever I get caught in that like, comparison trap of, well, other people are making stuff happen faster, I just think, well, what would I do if I couldn't see how fast other people mm-hmm. were doing it? If I was the only person in the world doing this work, what pace would I go at? And that's the pace I need to go at. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm sure everyone listening, maybe you can relate to this too. Maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe you're going through it too. We would love to carry on this conversation because me and Sarah aren't the only people with opinions here and only ideas. We would love to hear from you guys. Sarah, do you want to tell them about the hashtag we're starting? Right. So on Twitter and on Instagram and anywhere else that hashtags do their thing, we're going to use hashtag Dear Hopeful Creative because this is you guys writing back to our hopeful creatives. And you can share your own experiences. You can tell us that you relate or you can share your own advice, kind of tips, strategies, links. Maybe you've written a great post on this. Anything you think our creatives need to hear, we want to see it. So you can at us on Twitter or on Instagram, but make sure you use that hashtag, hashtag dear hopeful creative i can't wait to see what everyone shares same you can join us at letters from a hopeful creative.com and on social media so on instagram i'm at me and Orla. and you'll find me at jen carrington underscore we are going to be sharing new episodes every monday so if you've liked what you've heard so far hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show yeah and we can't wait to connect with you soon